Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, welcome back to another solo episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Ann, and I'm honored to have this time with you today to jam about one of my favorite topics, a topic that I often witness in my practice gets very misconstrued in a world of marketing and social media, and that topic is self-care. You've probably seen on Instagram ads or product ads or spot ads, these enticing captions like treat yourself or take time for yourself. And while I'm definitely not against a good facial or a massage, I think so often we forget that self-care isn't just about achieving a bronzed glow or younger looking skin. And so today I want to dive deep into how self-care can impact your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, and most specifically how self-care can help you reach a balanced, happy, healthy life. I'll be sharing the truth about self-care, a self-care guide, how you can stay consistent with your self-care routine, how you can get out of a self-care rut that you might be in, and practical steps to make sure you are consistently giving your body and your mind the support that you need. I'm going to be breaking down a lot of these mindset shifts. Again, this is what this podcast is about, rethinking the stories that we've been told about a specific topic so that you can step into a more fulfilled, happy, healthy life. And so since I started my coaching practice, this growing cultural emphasis on self-care has been on the rise. A few years ago, I came across an article on NPR about the millennial quote-unquote obsession with self-care. This article said, millennials spend twice as much as boomers on self-care essentials, such as workout regimens, diet plans, life coaching, therapy, and apps to improve their personal well-being. And to me, this makes sense because we see that self-care trends are going hand in hand with the increasing usage and influence of social media. When we think about the fact that millennials are the first generation to grow up with the internet and the demands of life are getting faster and faster, our to-do lists are getting longer, it all sadly correlates to an increase in anxiousness, sadness, loneliness, depression. It makes sense that we're constantly trying to move at a rate that is perpetuated by the instant nature of the internet. And people want self-care practices, items, products, experiences, equipment, technology to compensate for the way that we are currently living. Not to mention a lot of this anxiousness, of course, is centered around body image issues and how we live our lives and relate to our bodies and the world. And because a lot of this anxiousness comes from the pressures of what we see from everyone else's life online. We've created a self-care culture that tries to counteract these feelings and these emotions and the side effects of always being plugged in, 
and in this comparison mindset. And so we're seeing more and more cases of burnout and other mental health issues on the rise. And so the numbers are so staggering. According to the National Alliance of Mental Health, 19.1% of U.S. adults experienced mental health illness in 2018. That's 47.6 million people, which represents every one in five adults. In direct response to these numbers, we're seeing an increasing rise in practices like yoga and meditation, all because we're becoming conscious of the effects that screen time has on our mind and body. And the upside is we're opening up to the conversations about mental health, the stigma around therapy and getting help and support and talking to someone and using practices like breath work and meditation is becoming less and less common, which is a really beautiful thing. And there are a lot of people advocating for mental health. Selena Gomez, Serena Williams, Jessica Elba, Michelle Obama are all speaking out and embracing the importance of self-care including discussions on how self-care allows them to show up in their careers and for their families. And so self-care is 4 million search results strong, and it's safe to say that the trend is only on the rise. At the same time, we're seeing self-care become commercialized to sell us everything from massages and spa treatments to personal development apps and products. And although these things are great, and most of them do help us relax and come back to ourselves, I have found more often than not that we as a society view self-care as three specific things. And I want to go through these with you quickly. First, we view self-care as an indulgence, something that we can only do on occasion and often we feel guilty about afterwards. Secondly, an escape from our busy lives. It's a way that we relate to avoiding or dealing with our day-to-day reality or and experience that we're going through. Thirdly, we view self-care as a quick fix to manage burnout or try to solve a health concern quickly, all with the goal of returning back to the hustle of our daily life as soon as possible and without lasting sustainable results. And so with this podcast, I'm going to encourage you to begin to embrace and think about self-care in a new light opposite of the ways that you're currently seeing self-care commercialized and produced for a mass market scale. A lot of what's been marketed as self-care is a band-aid approach for a much bigger problem. And that is the discussion I want to have today. And that is where I believe we need to have a mindset shift around self-care. And so let me give you some examples that might be supportive and help you rethink this self-care process again. And so a supplement isn't a replacement for a healthy lifestyle. A diet isn't the replacement for unhealthy thoughts and emotions. A vacation isn't necessarily the key to finding more happiness within your daily life. A vacation isn't going to bring you satisfaction or heal your relationships or fix your career problems. And so these are similar examples of how we often relate to self-care. And so when you practice self-care, and then dive right back into the chaotic, busy, stress-filled life, you have to wonder, was that self-care or was that simply a band-aid? And so when you immediately divert back to the way that you normally would operate in your life without fundamentally making changes to upgrade your mindset and your habits, it is important to recognize that a shift needs to take place. Because these self-care acts, although they can be beneficial, don't actually contribute to sustainable health and well-being. 
In fact, your body wants stability. It always is seeking homeostasis and balance. And so for instance, when you take a vacation only to immediately dive right back into the chaos, in some cases, yes, the rest was beneficial, but the long-term impact of daily stress will still be impacting your adrenals and the potential for chronic health outcomes down the road. And so a lot of what I'm seeing on Instagram lacks this context of what I'm talking about, which means you see a product being marketed, but you never see a disclaimer that says, remember this product alone isn't going to solve your problems. And I know that health and wellness are never a one size fits all solution, but from coaching hundreds of women in my practice, here is what I've learned to be true about self-care. Self-care isn't just about doing the things that feel good. Self-care is taking action on the things you might not want to do. It's about taking the action that will challenge you and often make you feel uncomfortable. It is usually the very things on your to-do list that you are avoiding. It's so funny, right? I was talking to a dear friend of mine, Ashley Stahl, about self-care, and she was sharing that self-care is often the things that we find boring. It's the things that we don't really love to do. It's the things that don't excite us sometimes. And as my best friend, Ashley Stahl, shared on a panel that I was on with her, Self-care is often balancing your bank account when you're in debt or overspent, or it's saying no to certain self-care practices, like maybe getting that massage because you don't have the money for it. Or maybe it's saying no to spending time on a Friday night with your friends, drinking and staying up late, but instead doing yoga practice and going to bed early and getting something healthy for dinner. And I know this isn't sexy to market self-care as self-discipline, but it's the truth and I need you to hear it because self-care is actually work. It's not that these things can't be fun, especially because they ultimately result in the ability to enjoy your life for the long run in a way that is both healthy and sustainable. But in the short term, it is usually not the most fun option. It's usually not the most exciting option. It's usually the thing that we need to do to take care of our health and our well-being and most importantly, our mental health. And what I found makes self-care the most effective is to first identify the main source of your stress and then outline steps that will help you bring your life into more balance in every area. So identifying the source of your stress means getting to the core of what needs to change, what parts of you need to change, what thoughts needs to change, what emotions, what habits need to shift, and what parts of your environment need to change so that you can create a more sustainable solution to your health and your well-being. In most cases, this means that we need a new mindset and we need to create action around that mindset that you probably haven't been willing to take before. When I'm coaching clients through this, I notice that a lot of fears come up when I start to question where they might be in avoidance. Because once you acknowledge what needs to change and you become conscious of it, There's no turning back, right? You simply have to take action. And many times these changes have to be made in relationships, careers, or in your lifestyle. And so it's only once you stop avoiding the root issues that you'll actually be able to move forward and progress. So the moment you tackle the root problem of the pain, of the frustration, of what you're avoiding, it's common for the anxiousness and the stress to dissipate. And it's likely that you won't feel that you need to reach for these band-aid solutions anymore because you got to the source of the problem and you healed it. 
And the other benefit of this is that your self-care regimen, the things you do to improve your life and your health will actually benefit you more because your body is not in a constant state of stress. It's no longer a band-aid approach, but it's actually adding to your life. And so I know I'm being really generic here, but the point I'm making is that self-care isn't always bliss. In fact, most of the time it's uncomfortable. And I think that's what gets left out of the conversation. When I see people on social media hashtagging their bubble baths or their travel time as self-care. Yes, those are absolute practices of self-care, but we have to bring it back to if you are avoiding and neglecting the very things that need to shift, there is deeper work that needs to be done. And the deeper work and the self-care that actually makes a difference is often messy and challenging. Whether it's challenging because it stretches your mindset or because it can be hard to discover what really needs to be shifted and then you have to uproot your life. Growth exists when you're willing and able to make these changes. So a way to think about this is if you take time for yourself and you're doing these self-care practices, but you still find yourself tired, stressed, or overwhelmed, here's the questions I encourage you to ask. Are you using self-care as a band-aid for a bigger issue? Am I using self-care as a band-aid for a bigger issue? And if this brings anything up for you, I strongly recommend practicing self-compassion towards whatever is showing up. I encourage you to let yourself off the hook And just make a commitment to create the awareness around what you are avoiding. So anytime you reach for a new level of health, anytime you want to upgrade the mindset or the beliefs that sabotage your healthy habits, it will require a new level of commitment, a new level of commitment to yourself that you probably haven't ever had before. So self-compassion and even self-forgiveness are essential. There have been so many times in my life where I have been in avoidance of something and I've used self-care to band-aid. So I understand why we turn to this quick fix and staying conscious and being aware of your conditioning and your patterns that are in constant work. Well, again, bring more awareness to your life and how this is showing up for you. And so underneath all this discomfort, this is where it gets really positive and exciting is that when you finally look at the source of your stress, you'll find the answers to sustainable well-being. And here's a valuable mindset that will help you to embrace true self-care. And so while self-care can be a massage, it is also your daily habits. Look at self-care as a way of being instead of something that you schedule occasionally or on your weekends when you have a free moment. And so if self-care consists of your habits, then a lot of this, right, boils down to how you manage your time and where you spend your energy. And so are the activities on your schedule in your day actually contributing to taking care of your responsibilities and setting you up for long-term health? Or are they focused on instant gratification and avoidance? This reminds me of a recent podcast I did with my best friend, Ashley Stahl, who was on the panel with me, where we talked about real self-love. Because the right kind of self-care is self-love. And during our podcast, she mentions the freedom to live life and the freedom from it. So the freedom to life means that you are open and available to whatever is happening in your life, regardless of whether it feels good, it's acceptance. 
but freedom from life means wanting to avoid and run away from your reality. And many of us are conditioned to lean towards this form of freedom. We want to escape our realities. We want to escape our responsibilities. And we want to avoid having to face the true work. And like Ash said, we want to run away to Bali to escape our work. We decide to mask our physical symptoms with spa days. Or we book after-work massages to escape going home to our partners. And we call this behavior self-care. But the key to the health that you want, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, the key to the impact and the money you want to make and the key to the partnership and the community you want to build and the key to the health and well-being you want to have is the result of being available to life. The fulfillment and the freedom that you're looking for comes to being present and available to whatever life is handing you in every moment and addressing it and confronting it and being with it. And that does not mean that you're not using self-care practices to support you in moving through it, but that is different than using self-care practices to avoid it. And so on my journey, I've learned to trust that if I'm available and accepting to whatever situations arise in my life, that everything will work itself out as I continue to practice self-care to manage the stress and the fears and the emotions that absolutely surface, but not use those practices again to avoid. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. Hey there, are you loving this podcast? Well, a simple way to support is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and join the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you are never gonna miss out on any details of new projects, products, upcoming events, or behind the scenes stuff that I only share with my inner circle. Also by joining, you're gonna get access to the movement, which means you are part of a free community of individuals standing in their power to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So head on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. And so I think there's a deep and valuable lesson here. There is gold underneath whatever stress you're encountering in your daily life. And so to reiterate, a better way to think about self-care is to shift away from the idea that it's an escape from responsibility and towards the idea that is actually giving you responsibility and a power via your daily habits and choices. And as I've shared with my community before, and something I'm always transparent about, is the fact that there have been so many times in my life that I have neglected self-care or I've used it to mask deeper issues. And so if you're going through it right now, if you're feeling this podcast, if it's resonating with you, wherever you are, 
I have so much compassion for you. And so with this topic, I've always come back to my story about breast implant illness because it was such a powerful example in my life when I thought I was taking care of myself, but I was actually avoiding the deep-rooted cause of my pain and suffering. And so for two years, I suffered from symptoms of blurred vision, tingling my hands, joint pain, chronic exhaustion, severe acne, rashes, digestive issues, and hair loss. And even though I intuitively knew something was wrong and the doctors didn't think that my breast implants could be making me sick, I just kept telling myself that I needed to slow down. I needed more self-care. And so I went in the direction of more meditation, more supplements, more B12 shots, more ozone treatments, more IVs, more colonics, more therapy, stronger coffee. But all of it was only masking my fear and my deep sense that there was something more serious going on. And one day I finally got the courage to dive deep into the research of breast implant illness and read other women's stories. And it was the first time I saw myself mirrored in their symptoms. And I felt this massive relief knowing that I wasn't crazy, that there was actually something wrong. And I finally had an answer, but then I was faced with a choice. And this is what was so scary was that I had to face the root cause head on of the problem. And so real self-care often asks us to make a choice, a choice that we're not comfortable with making because it results in an identity shift. And that's what this experience was for me. I had to let go of the identity that I created from having implants so that I could actually do what was best for my body. And looking back, I can honestly say that going through the explant process was one of the biggest acts of self-care and self-love that I've ever taken in my life. And it took courage and a willingness to shift, but it was so, so worth it. So this story brings me to the practical steps you can take to create consistent self-care habits. And so first, take inventory of that place in your life that needs some love and attention. You might have one or two areas that you wanna focus on, but just pick one to start. Trust that as you work on this one area of your life, the others will naturally start to improve as well. Next, find a goal planner or create a system that maps out your overarching goals so that you can reverse engineer this process. So for example, if you want to tackle debt, you might have a dollar amount that you want to pay off by the end of the year. Once you have that number, break it down into monthly amounts. Then once you outline your goal, create a checklist of actionable steps that you can take each day that will help you reach your goal each month and daily ways that you can save and avoid overspending. These actionable steps are considered your daily self-care practices. And I just want to add that if you're doing this with your health journey, it's not necessary to make your goal a number on the scale. There are many other ways to measure your health and your fitness levels outside of weight loss. And so, for example, maybe you want to be able to run a mile in less than 10 minutes. Maybe you want to be able to do a certain yoga practice, or maybe you want to be able to do a certain fitness routine or feel energized by the end of the year. What health looks like for you is completely unique to your body. So spend time reflecting on ways that you would be able to measure your improvement without a numbers goal. The second step is to create a habit tracker or use a lifestyle journal. This is a great way to motivate yourself and keep track of patterns in your routine. Some people are visual learners. Checking off boxes from your daily habits list can provide that feeling of instant gratification which is helpful because so many of our healthy habits won't necessarily bring instant gratification or results. 
but it will feel good intrinsically to know that you've made a step towards your goal. Being able to track your progress also helps you cultivate trust in the process and confidence in yourself as you keep showing up to meet your goals. You can have a habit tracker for each self-care routine, like meditation, exercise, or home-cooked meals, or you can write down all of your activities in a lifestyle journal. And by using your tracker for a month or so, you might start to notice patterns or particular days of the week when you tend to fall short on your self-care. By increasing your awareness around these patterns, you can eliminate any obstacles that get in your way in order to be consistent, but you can also offer yourself compassion, love, and grace for whatever shows up and gratitude for each moment that you take the step towards your goals. The third step, and this is probably the most important, is to get support. If you feel like you're doing everything right, you set your health goals, you're eating well, you're sleeping, you're hitting the gym every day, but you have a problem to stay motivated, it might just be that you need a little bit of support. Often clients come to me because they've tried doing it on their own, They've got excited to cook their own meals or to hit the gym at dawn, but the next day it felt absolutely impossible just to get in the kitchen or put on their sneakers. And they're stuck in this perpetual cycle of trying and then feeling the shame and guilt around falling short. And so if this is you, then it might be one of the most single, most important things that you can do and you hear on this podcast is to get support or an accountability partner. I recently made a video on this because most often it's not that we know what to do. We often know what we should be doing, but it's that we don't understand what's behind the self-sabotage. And so I've personally spent years of my life filling up productivity journals, using goal-setting apps, and rewriting my goals every single month. But none of that actually worked until I realized that the number one reason it was so difficult for me to reach my goals had to do what was happening internally. And it's because most of us try moving forward without looking inside or looking back on our past. And sometimes the key to our future and the key to self-care is actually looking at these parts of ourselves that again, we want to avoid or neglect. And so having a coach or an accountability partner can be so helpful for this. And so culturally, we tend to be linear thinkers, but we forget that while we're trying to move forward, The unresolved or unprocessed experiences from the past, even a day ago, a month ago, a year ago, or even our childhood, all of these things are in our subconscious mind and are still impacting our thoughts, emotions, behaviors, habits, and so forth. So your subconscious mind is actually creating often resistance to what you deeply desire, most specifically around caring for your body. And I know that most people don't want to look back because it can be painful But sometimes the most important part of self-care is to heal the past. And there are many ways to approach this healing process. You get to decide what works for you. Healing your past can mean hiring a therapist, hiring a coach, finding community or a support group. It can even be just starting with accountability partners so you can start to recognize these patterns that are showing up. And so everyone's process is unique, but the one thing I've found to be universal is that you don't have to do it alone. And doing it alone is so much harder. And so I've come to value my community and my mentors so much because I've realized that the more people that I have in my corner, the more likely it is that I have that accountability to reach my goals. And so if your lifestyle journal and your daily doses of inspiration are not enough, 
and you're having trouble sticking to what matters to you, I invite you to stand in your courage and admit that there might be something you need to address and simply acknowledge that it is time to no longer do this alone. And so I wanna segue a bit right now and talk a little bit about how to get out of a self-care rut. And this is something I get asked a lot from people in my community. And although I've given you those three steps, self-care ruts are common, but sometimes what prevents us from starting or following through with our daily habits is the feeling of being overwhelmed. And so I wanna talk about this quickly because it's something I hear over and over again. And so let's say you've abandoned all of your healthy habits this week or this month because life happened. A good rule of thumb is to start back up with just one healthy habit a day or take one small action or actionable step on your list and just start with that. At the start of your day or right before you get out of bed, identify times in your schedule where you can commit to this action step. It can be as small as 15 minutes of meditation or a 30-minute walk or a jog around your neighborhood. The most important step is to pick a small act of self-care and just get started. Trust that once you do one round of cardio or a meditation, you'll immediately feel better afterwards and you'll find the motivation to get yourself back on track. The other thing to remember is to let yourself off the hook. The initial inertia is the hardest part, right? Especially if an act of self-care is something that you've been avoiding. So if you're spinning your wheels in guilt and shame about your lack of self-care, Practice compassion and forgiveness through meditation and mindfulness. We do a lot of forgiveness work in my practice because I've realized that forgiveness can be the fuel to actually move you forward. And again, this is what we talked about before. Sometimes you have to go back to move forward. And so letting yourself off the hook, giving yourself permission to start over, no matter how many times it takes, is one of those most powerful steps when it comes to self-care. So often we neglect self-care just because we're in the energy, the vibration of negativity, negative thoughts, negative emotions and feelings. And one slight shift in perspective can pull us out of that. And further, I always recommend releasing the guilt around doing the self-care. So we have this guilt around not doing self-care and then we also have the guilt around doing the self-care. And so that's another piece of this puzzle that we have to let go. And so sometimes taking care of your responsibilities, taking care of yourself and doing that act of self-care means hitting the pause button on your social life. It might mean stepping away from your phone or your Instagram account. Sometimes it means putting yourself before others. Sometimes it means putting yourself before your career. Sometimes it means taking space from your family to have some space for yourself. And this is not an act of selfishness, but this is an act of care about how you're showing up for you in your life. And how you show up in your life impacts everything around you. The least selfish thing you could do, the thing you should never feel guilty about is taking care of yourself when it's going to make you a better person, a more present person. When it's going to give you clarity, presence, connection, self-love, confidence, and the ability to care for those around you. And so I trust that as you become more aware of this process, as I share this with you, you will find balance. 
So it doesn't have to be one thing or the other, but you can give yourself permission to make yourself a priority. Again, you are not a bad sister, spouse, partner, mom, if you take care of you. And you're not a horrible person if you use the word no. So remember your ability to show up as your best self and the ability to be present with those that you love only increases when you choose and practice the right kind of self-care. And so to recap, paying attention, becoming aware, noticing when the guilt shows up, when you neglect your self-care and when the guilt shows up, when you do take care of yourself and when you can let go of those two areas. Again, the guilt when you forgot to take care of yourself. And then the guilt, when you step into taking care of yourself, when you come back to your truth, your awareness, your intuition, your solitude, your silence, consciousness, your awareness in that space, you will be reminded that self-care is a beautiful act of self-love, not something that you are pushing or avoiding other aspects of yourself further away from you, but actually fueling your own life and well-being. And so my intention for this podcast was to give you super practical, super actionable steps that you could implement right away. And so I want to wrap up those points for you. If you are taking notes, this is the time to jot these down. So number one, identify the place in your life that needs some love and attention and pick one area to start knowing that the impact will affect all parts of your life. Step two, create a habit tracker or use a lifestyle journal to track and make sure that you're taking daily actionable steps so it'll create sustainable health and well-being changes down the road. Step three, get support if you need it. Find a community, a support group, a therapist, a coach, work with an accountability partner. Get the support you need to heal your past and empower yourself to move forward. And further, remember that self-care can absolutely be a day at the spa but it is also your daily habits. It's how you show up for yourself, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. And so reframe your understanding of self-care as a way of being instead of something you schedule occasionally or when you have free time on the weekends. Ask yourself, what would self-care look like from the time you wake up till the time you go to bed? And that is not neglecting your responsibilities, but just how do you bring a more mindful, healthy approach into your day. And so now as this podcast concludes, I want to hear from you. I've shared my version of self-care, but I want to hear from you. How do you define it? And what kind of things are you doing and implementing to create sustainable change in your life? Not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. I would love to celebrate you, celebrate your story, celebrate how you're implementing these practices. So screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram at Sarah Ann Stewart and share with me. Share with me any questions you have. Share with me how I can support you or what you would like me to cover in upcoming podcasts. And remember again to practice self-compassion as you move through this process. Take time to get clear on what your sources of stress are so that you can make these strides in your physical and mental health. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being here. It is an honor as always to share this space and this time with you. I'm sending you so much love until next week's episode. Thank you for showing up and dedicating this time to you and to create a happier, healthier life for yourself and those around you. 
All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.